looking to expand his own knowledge of pipe reline and infrastructure rehabilitation, Brent Eckhart embarks on the journey into the no-day construction world while interviewing experts in all facets of the industry. Hoping to find answers here is Brett Eckhart with Reline Unknown. Today, I get an opportunity to sit down with Sam Boyd of Encapsule AC. I met Sam on LinkedIn and him and I were able to connect down in Fort Worth, Texas at the UCT show. I think anybody involved in the Reline industry, especially anything to do with pipe bursting, will find this podcast worth a listen. Sam tells it like it is and has a fascinating product he's currently working on where his first project is about to start in Australia. Take a listen. All right, I'm sitting here with Sam Boyd from Encapsule AC. Um, Sam and I connected probably about a month or so ago on LinkedIn and kind of told me your story about um, your, your product. And I'm just a baby infant in the reline industry, so I learned a lot. I mean, I, I feel like my specialty is more on the slip lining side if I have a specialty. Um, but I want to just introduce Sam and let Sam kind of give us a little bit of background on how he got in the trenchless you know, reline um, industry and then we'll kind of tail off and kind of figure, discuss his product a little bit. So go ahead, Sam. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And Well, we uh, started, you know, Voidtech uh, is the name of the company and uh, the name of the product is Encapsule AC. And, uh, this uh, this material is, was developed for asbestos cement pipe rehabilitation. The material is a coagulant tracer fluid that basically encapsulates all of the asbestos cement fragments that are uh, that are produced during trenchless technologies. The material is a bright blue color. So it's easily identifiable underground, and that was the whole premise: was to find a material and produce something that would be identifiable or uh, outside of the soil content around it. Blue would just happen to be the the right color, because in form, different formations you can find just about any other color except for blue, uh, unless you get up in the mountains and find some turquoise. But yeah. you know that's. It's easily identifiable, but it has nothing to do with the fact that it's water line or sewer line or so on. So the purpose of that is if someday they do come dig it up, they can say they can identify that right there, the the stuff that's marked blue or basically enclosed is asbestos containing material. Correct. And basically what they have now started calling ACMs, which is asbestos containing materials. Okay. Um which is kind of interesting and, and we originally had started in the technology of doing pipe bursting and flowing this material in during pipe bursting and uh, but I all the testing that I produced I couldn't get a hundred percent encapsulation in clay soils because of the action of a pipe bursting operation you're forcing that material outward into clay. As soon as you push it into that clay, you can't encapsulate it. It just doesn't happen. However, a lot of the testing we did was either embedded material, which, you know, rock bed all the way around it. Hey, 
you can get 100% encapsulation. Yeah. In sand, you can get about 80, 90%. But I can't guarantee 100%. So long came uh, a different process, which is uh, a slurification process done with HDD equipment versus pipe bursting equipment. Well, so HDD equipment um, for the layman like, like myself is... Uh, horizontal directional drilling equipment. Okay. Uh, the, the thing about it is, is uh, static pipe bursting, you're not turning anything, you're, you're not spinning anything, you're just pulling full force, uh, basically a bullet down through a pipe, and the pipe is smaller on the ID than the outside diameter of the... breaking it open to slide the new pipe in. Correct, correct. Or, you know, they put a splitter on there and uh, the splitter basically cuts the pipe and lays it open like in uh, ductile iron or plastic pipe that you're rehabilitating. You basically cut it as you're pulling through, spread it out, and draw a new pipe on the inside. Okay. So you're using the old pipe as your pilot hole. Well, HDD rigs can follow that pilot all the way down to the other end. Once you get to the other end, you tie on a back reamer and you start back reaming that pipe. Well, as you do that, you're grinding down or slurifying 100% of that pipe. Well, if I mix my material with that at that point, then I can guarantee 100% encapsulation of all the asbestos fibers that are in there. Well, because of my background in, in uh, pipe bursting, or the past few years of, of doing research in pipe bursting and getting a, a wide spectrum of, of asbestos cement pipe use and or uh, characteristics, I've been able to combine the two together being the HDD and the uh, pipe bursting into a single system, whereas you're grinding it up or slurifying the material, you're blending it all together, producing a uh, coagulated mass, if you will, and that coagulated mass uh, will gel up down in the hole, and as you pull your new uh, in most cases HDPE line on the inside or as a new pipe the material is allowed to fall, flow back alongside the outside of the new pipe as it's being pulled through. And which keeps it, like you mentioned before, and it, I mean it only makes sense is it keeps it in the ground because one thing about asbestos containing material is what you don't want to happen, and this is just for my my uh, understanding is you don't want it in the air and and where it can be it breathed or whatever. I mean, you want it, um, you want to leave it in the ground. It's not harmful to anybody as long as it's in the ground. That's kind of what your take is. Well, you know, it was buried once. It was mined out of the ground. It's a mineral. Uh-huh. So we mined it up out of the ground. We used it in different products all across the board. Now, we buried it back in the ground as pipe, but yet you're saying you want me to dig it up, take it out, and then haul it off to a waste site so you can bury it again. 
So the environmental impact of just all that extra, you know, the excavators, the trucking, the landfill, the sacking that the, it would go into it. When you talk about in truly environmental cost, environmental impact of doing all that versus just identifying it, leaving it where it's at, pulling the new pipe through. If for whatever reason you need to come dig up that pipe someday, the infrastructure changes, expands, contracts, you know where it's at. And you can deal with it at that point. Well, yeah, you dig down to it, you find what's blue, you leave everything that's blue in the hole, you scrape it off. It doesn't harden to a uh, to a to a degree that you would have to beat it off or grind it off. Mm-hmm. It'll stay pliable underground for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, chances blue- are, chances are the 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 blue material and or the material coagulator around the outside of the pipe will not harden beyond 80 PSI, which is easily scraped off with a shovel. But not dry to where it can be um, dispersed into the air. Well, yeah, you don't want anything to be produce dust if you yeah. get down to it. You don't want to produce any dust because, well, what, what part of that dust is pipe? What part is asbestos? What part is dirt? You don't know. Yeah. Same thing with bringing it above the ground. If it's already buried, if we bring it above the ground, there's too many opportunities for it to get into the air. Whether it be uh, falling out of a, a, a haul truck, that haul truck has to be run from that job site to a designated dump site. And they're not very often that you'll see a designated dump site for asbestos. So it's got to travel through populated areas. Well, if you let the public know that you were hauling asbestos through their neighborhood, how long would it take for somebody to say, I've been contaminated. Yeah. I'm suing the city. Yeah. (laughs) So there is like a, you know, a a legal point to it where it can, can get, the ramifications can get expensive as well. Exactly. I mean, in a neighborhood, if you go in and they have asbestos cement pipe in the ground and they've been drinking water out of it for years, they don't really care what the pipe is made out of. They don't care what the new pipe that you're putting in is made out of. All they want to be able to do is reach over for that tap, turn it on, and get water. Yeah. If that happens, there's no question. But if you go in there and you inform everybody in the neighborhood, we're going to come in here and we're going to start digging up all of your asbestos cement pipe and we're going to bag it up and we're going to haul it off. Well, somebody is going to get the wise idea. Well, I can sue the city because, hey, I got contaminated. And they can't prove that you weren't contaminated because it would take 15, 20 years. Well... You know, and you can't physically dig it up out of the ground and and bag it 100% all at the same time. And if you don't do that and you haul it over to a a site and you dump it out on the ground, well, just the wind blowing across it, everybody downwind of that pile, quote unquote, is contaminated. Versus just leaving it where it's at. Exactly. So you you said you mentioned that you come from kind of a concrete background. And, and what made you, um, what kind of got you into the business that you are today? What, what, you know, what's that path to, uh, to 
inventing this fluid and this this technology to be able to do that was there a, did somebody ask you hey we've got this asbestos pipe or kind of what is that yeah, basically i got a call from uh, an engineer uh wanting it, he knew that i had a, a strong background in grouts and different uh uh, blends of materials and whatnot in the concrete industry and grouting industry. and uh, We do a lot of sealing of concrete and uh, do some really odd ball jobs around the country and and hell, I've even done them overseas. And, uh, you know, just a lot of niche market stuff. And yeah. so he called me up. He says, you know, I, I, need a, I need a grout. I said, well, what do you want it to do? And of course, then you have to go through the NDA process and non-disclosure agreements, whole mm-hmm. nine yards. And I said, okay, well, okay, okay. So you get to the end of that and you put it out there and they say, well, um, well, okay, we want it to do this, 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 and this. And, and so you say, okay, well, I don't think I can, I don't really think that there's anything on the market, but I'll, I'll look around and, and see. And, uh, get back to you and get back to him a month later and say, well, you know, there's really nothing on the market, but if you want me to, I can blend you whatever you want. But, and I've talked to several blenders and they said the parameters are pretty well within reason. I said, well, how big is the job? So, I, you know, I know what kind of, uh, what kind of blender I need? I mean, do I need a million bags or do I need uh, 500 bags? Yeah. Well, and the guy says, well, you know, and being an engineer, he starts calculating. And so I'm listening to him as he's calculating. He said, well, there's 652,000 miles of the material and it <laughs> ought to do about seven feet per 50 pound bag and this, that, and the other. And I said, wait, 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 just stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's enough. Well, I didn't get to the end of the calculation, he said. I said, well, you don't have to. Yeah. I know what I need now. Yeah. I need a big-ass blender. <laughs> yeah, this is a big, this is a, this, yeah, this well, is and, not a, Then I find out that that's just how much pipe, AC pipe is in the ground here in the United States. But it's been used around the globe. Yeah. So there's tons of it out there. Well, Okay. So I get in and I say, well, okay, yeah, that's, a, that's a worthwhile kind of thing. So I uh, I start working with uh, these guys and they say, well, you know, we like that material, um, but we're, we don't know how to get it from point A to point B. I said, well, you better pump it. Well, uh, how do we make it work? Yeah. I said, well... I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll get together and we'll, you know, find a, uh, well, basically you can find a pipe burster that wants to put it in the hole and has a job that we can go to and, and we can put it in the ground. Yeah. Well, they said, well, okay, well, one of them worked for a city entity over in, and uh, that would be an edit. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. yeah, you're good. Anyway, so he works for a city, and uh, he says he thinks he can get it into a pipe bursting situation in uh, in a job, and and uh, 
he thinks he can talk his contractor into it. So I go and I fly over there and I meet with the contractor and the contractor says, yeah, I, I like that idea. We'll, we'll try it out on one of my jobs. Mm-hmm. I, I just have to get the city to allow me to try something. And, and you know, they're pretty open to me because I give them good pricing. And I yeah. Said, okay. So I talked with him and, and he said, well, I kind of want to get involved in this on the, on the big picture. And I said, well, okay. And so I work with him directly. So he and I are working directly together. And these other two guys are, uh, you know, they, they're the ones with the idea, but you know, they, so we all get together and, and finally and start putting it in the ground. And of course, the contractor has his own way of delivery. Yeah. Or, you know, he's been in the pipe bursting industry for 15, 20 years, you know. So he's advising to me how he would like to put it in. And, of course, I'm advising to him how I'd like to put it in. And these other guys, well, they've got or drew something up but it's very head specific and you know i don't know if you know how much you know about pipe bursting but not a lot pipe bursting material or equipment everybody's heads are different across the board there's no two heads alike because they're all patented yeah okay so i've got to get fluid to a certain point during that pipe bursting operation well, the head that they originally designed was not their own head, but an attachment to an existing head, which is a uh, trenchless technologies head. Okay. So it's very head specific. Well, this contractor doesn't have any trenchless technologies uh, heads. He uses a different hammerhead heads. Yeah. Well, so. Here goes the problem. Yeah. You've made something that's head specific. I can't attach what I need to do to this head. And the one you produced was an eight inch and the one they need is a four inch or a six inch, whatever. Well, that becomes a problem. So it's not, it, it, their drawing and everything and all the things that we produced or I produced were all head specific for an eight inch diameter because what was this pipe what was the size of pipe that you guys were working on on that project that project was a six inch and uh then some four and then there was going to be some 12 but what is the most common size of um ac pipe i mean concrete pipe six inch here in the united states is both most common Uh uh in australia however it's four inch are they still installing this pipe? I mean, or is it something that's been phased out and they've been, they've, um... they, they basically have uh, phased out of using asbestos uh, after the mesothelioma scare and all of that back in the, I guess, mid seventies. Okay. So they quit putting it in the ground mid seventies, early eighties. Okay. Um, however, it'd been, basically the number one pipe for years because it's inexpensive to to produce and it uh, worked well and so on and so forth. So they used it in sewer line and in water line throughout the the United States as as well as the globe. What's the quote-unquote design life of that pipe? I mean, 
would it, I mean, because, you know, every pipe's got a design life. What, just so, because I'm trying to gauge, you know, if you've been putting it in the ground for X, Y, Z amount of years and design life is X, then this, that, this is how much it's going to have to be replaced or dealt with in the upcoming, say, 10 years. 40 to 50 years. Okay. So it's the design half-life, or double, uh, life. So, basically, all of that AC pipe that's in the ground right now is ready to be refurbished. Uh, according to a, a study that uh, University of Utah did recently, uh, cast iron and asbestos cement pipe are the top two leak-producing pipes in the ground. Uh, there is now a federal mandate that says that all cast iron has to be refurbished because of the lead content. Uh, I know you may or may not know that when they lay cast iron pipe, they pack, pack oakum into the joints and then they follow it up with lead as a uh, gasket material okay. to hold the pipe together. So that lead is being worked out of the system completely. And it's all over. I mean, yeah. But there's very little lead contamination, but because it's there, the public wants it out of the ground or wants it re rehabilitated. Something to where they feel comfortable enough that they drink water out sure. of a tap sure. that's coming through there. So, the uh, whether it be CIPP uh, lining the inside of the pipe, whether it be pipe bursting it, splitting it, breaking it, putting new HDPE in or uh, fusible uh, PVC, whatever, just as long as you get rid of the, the lead in con possible contamination to the water. And that's kind of where I was talking to somebody earlier that, that our industry, the reline industry, is still in its infant stages. It's still so new. It, I mean, it, there are all these, you know, products and stuff that we are just now dealing with. You know, we've been dealing with asbestos for a lot of years in building, whether it's building tiles or insulation or whatever else that was put into these older buildings. But now, you know, it's, it's probably just people becoming aware that there is all this pipe in the ground that's met its design life. It's not hurting you from a drinking water standpoint, but it's, 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 it's met its its purpose, and it's going to have to either be replaced, rehabilitated, whatever. And what's the what's the most environmentally cost conscious way to handle it? And it seems like that's kind of the business that that you're in. Is okay. I'm I've invented a way to deal with this. Correct. It's I mean it's it's uh, it's something that really conscious for me uh, when I first got into the dealing with asbestos pipe I you know I really didn't look at it from that standpoint I was looking at it from uh, from a supply of material standpoint but over the years just dealing with it I've grown in knowledge and or in uh, feasibility that this is a big problem and and there's a uh, there's a lot of ways to handle it. Uh, CIPP, for instance, uh, you familiar with CIPP? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not an expert in it, but I'm familiar with the process. Yeah, basically, you're taking a liner and putting it on the inside of the pipe, 
and producing a seal from the inside. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great system. There's nothing really wrong with it other than most liners don't produce a structural value and you're using the old asbestos pipe as your structural value. Which has met its design life already. That's why you're dealing with it. Right. So it's already at its crumble stage or is starting to be weak in points and therefore producing leaks and it doesn't do well with ground movement. If you have ground movement or you have uh, heavy clay soils where you have expansion and contraction issues with the soil, then the asbestos works at the joints and produces leaks just because of uh, ground movement. Well, because that CIPP is on the inside, it's going to have a certain amount of, of structural value, but it's not going to be anything like drawing in new HDPE. Mm-hmm. When you've drawn in, say, uh, DR9, which is uh, you know three-quarter inch thick wall, brand new pipe, then pipe bursting and or uh, CI or close tolerance pipe certification become a, a, a key factor. Well, other things that you can do with putting in new pipe or with these processes is you can lay larger pipe. You can expand the whole uh, the pipe two sizes. So if there's four inch in and you want to put ten inch in, no big deal. Yeah. Or eight inch rather, because it's six and eight. Mm-hmm. So it, you go up two sizes, no matter what. And of course, most, you're you're going to heave the ground a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and most oftentimes that's you know you're with older infrastructure. Let's say you're you're in a neighborhood or whatever. Like you know, there was only X Y Z amount of houses or X Y Z amount of you know potable water needed or whatever the house sure. you know whatever that was, and now. You've got this many more houses that are connected to your sewer system or your water system, so you need a bigger sure. pipe. A lot of times, sure. you know, it seems like that's why the pipe bursting industry has, oh, know, yeah. not only from just an infrastructure like it's failing, but also because they need more through Sure, sure. You know, you, you the homeowner, I mean, you uh, turn on your spigot and you're getting 50% less water than you got 20 years ago. But you've got 20 more neighborhoods around you, too. Yeah. Well, it's because you're still using the same pipe for the water. They've upped the pressure on that pipe, which just causes more leaks. Mm -hmm. But the only thing, I mean, you can't increase the volume. All you can do is increase pressure and or flow rate. And so, therefore, they're compensating that with that flow rate. That's the only way you're going to get more water to the customer. But yeah. if you're still, you have increased the pressure, but you got 20 times the amount of houses you had before, you still reduce the amount of pressure you have at the tap. So until you increase the size of the pipe, that water pressure is just going to keep going down as they produce more houses on that same line. Huh. So you can go to that main and we can run down through that main. You can increase it two sizes. Well, then you come off that main and you drop down into those neighborhoods. Well, now all those neighborhoods 
have the same amount of pressure that you had 20 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to make the customer happy because they're the ones that are paying for it. If they don't pay their water bill. Yeah. It all goes back to the, yeah, it all goes back to uh, where's the money come from to, to do the work. And I think course, that's the. Of course, the funniest thing I ever heard, I heard this at uh, Dr. Isley over in uh, Louisiana Tech told me this the other day. He says, uh, you know, we as a public never have a problem paying a hundred, even a hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars for our cable bill. Yeah. But we bitch and complain every time our water bill goes up a dollar. Oh yeah. And it's usually in the thirty dollar range, you know, sixty maybe tops, with with garbage collection all combined all in. One. Yeah. Right. And if it goes up a dollar, we have a hemorrhage. Oh yeah. But our cable bill can be a hundred and thirty dollars a month and we just pay it. We just pay it. We don't complain. But cable TV and or internet does not sustain life. Water does. Water does. And clean water. Yeah. And, and, and so you're you're saying that I'd rather have the TV than I'd rather have than water. Than but good, nobody's clean ever water. been faced with that hard decision yet. I mean it's because they expect the city, the municipality, the, the dot gov to take care of that for them. Sure. That's why they're paying they feel like they're paying the real estate tax or this the real property tax or and I don't know how that, what the tax situation is um, here in, in Texas, but and in Idaho we have we pay real property tax. We pay. I mean, there's. We, I mean, we feel like we're, there's definitely some. <laughs> we're definitely paying somebody something somewhere at every at every corner. But well, if yeah. they would just move that money around and and tell you what it's paying for, and well, yeah. be as upfront as possible and say all this money is to make sure that when you turn on that faucet. Your water is drinkable. Yeah, you know, I think that's, that's drinkable and and good pressure. Yeah, good pressure. You know, and that's that's the thing. Is, you know, so <coughs> I want I want you just to um, touch on before we leave. I, I want you to touch on what you got going on in Australia, real quick. Uh, we're gonna start produce or putting uh, this process into use in uh, late February, early March. Uh, we're going to do proof of concept uh, jobs in two different areas. One down around uh, uh, Melbourne and then another one up in the Brisbane area. Um, there are two municipalities that are really uh, keen on uh, trying this process out. Problem with uh, asbestos in Australia is that uh, it was used in a lot of building materials. It was used in a lot of insulation, and therefore their asbestos uh, dump sites are already at an overcrowded capacity. Okay. So getting rid of all of the asbestos cement pipe that's in the ground. Just not a, a feasible operation. Not to mention the the amount of carbon footprint to haul it from point A to point B. Dig it all up, haul it, and it, it just just gets to an astronomical number. And the fees that you have to pay just to to, to place it there. 
So is Australia kind of like the proving ground? I mean, is that what you guys are kind of uh, your company? They're the to? they're the first ones to consider leaving a hundred percent in the ground, marking it in place, and putting tracer wire in all at the same pass. And uh, they probably will be the leaders in this industry uh, as far as, as the first country to to accept this operation. Uh, the United States EPA has approved uh, CTPS or close tolerance pipe slurification, but the present uh, regulation says that you've got to pump it all out of the ground, which really just makes no yeah. sense. And, and leaving it in the ground, leaving it marked in place makes much more sense. Uh, there's no sense digging it up just to bury it again at a, a different site. Not to mention the amount of contamination between point A and point B. Well, there's no doubt in my mind that everybody's going to kind of keep their eyes on this, you know, from Australia. And we've, and we've, and if I've learned, you know, over the last few months of doing the podcast is a lot of your trenchless technology that's came to the United States or that's, that's being done in the United States started overseas somewhere because the infrastructure is older and you know and that's one thing that uh you know that chris larson like really you know told me was hey he's like when we want to see what's coming and we want to we want a new product you know we go to these international trade shows and we see what they're doing in europe and china and some of these other places because there's there there are they are a kind of a proving ground for some of this technology so I'm going to keep an eye on it. I'm, I'm sure that the, the, the local, the, the U.S., the EPA, VEQ, everybody's going to kind of keep an eye on the process. And I assume you're going to kind of keep pushing it out there and kind of letting people know how the project's going. So I guess all I say is just keep us in the loop. Sure. And let us know. Yeah, we're, uh, as soon as we get some, some actual conceptual uh, data, uh, some case history, then we'll be putting it out there, and uh, I'll keep you abreast. Uh, I'd like to come back and do like a follow-up podcast and be like, okay, Sam. 20, 20 years later. Oh, yeah, we're, we're still trying like, to put it in the ground. How about six months, <laughs> eight, a year, and let, let, let's do this again and be like, this is how it went. Here's some photos of the job site. Here's what we did. You know, here's how. I mean, that's what I, I, I'd be super interested in a follow-up. Yeah, I mean, we do these, you know, get up to these shows every once in a while. And what are we, at UCT yep, 2020? Yeah. So, you know, we do, uh, if nothing else, we're going to get together another year from now here at we'll UCT 2021. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Worst case scenario, we get together and drink a beer and talk about it. Yep. All right. Go. Well, thank you for your time, Sam. I appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a learning learning experience for me and I look forward to having this conversation again. Thank you for having me. Yep. Appreciate it. America's aging underground infrastructure will need to be dealt with in the upcoming years. Our mission with Reline Unknown is to help individuals and organizations gain insight into the pipe, reline, and infrastructure world and help process the key decision, reline or replace. Thank you for listening.